Keeping you up to date with all things COVID-19. This is the COVID Report Show. Good evening. You are still tuned in to the COVID Report with me and Game. And you are listening to the exclusive show on VIFM 88.1. And I know some of our listeners are streaming on our website. So thank you so much for joining us for yet another amazing, informative episode about the global pandemic that we're currently facing, particularly from the South African point of view. And sticking to all things about education and learning in a time of lockdown and in a time of COVID-19 outbreak. Our next interview is with the award-winning and one of the few specialized journalists this country still has. We're speaking to the Mail and Guardian's education reporter, Bongeki Lema Tube, who penned an incredible analysis piece in last week's Mail and Guardian about the special needs children and learners who have been left on the fringes yet again when it comes to plans for remote teaching and learning by the Department of Basic Education. And in this piece, Bangekila goes into details about how it's very unclear when that the Minister of Basic Education, Njimu um, was very frank in explaining to us that it's very unclear when schools will reopen, particularly after the president announced the 21-day lockdown, which ends on the 16th of April, oh, it plans to end on the 16th of April and schools were meant to open on the 14th. We're also looking at the fact that e-learning, particularly for government schools, is happening on the public service broadcaster, SABC's television and radio channels, their schedules all over social media and announcements even on radio stations and on TV, on the television channels about when certain lessons and for which grade, which lessons and materials will be covered. But there has not been any mention uh, about uh, special needs or special education learners. And so we just want to talk to Bongekile, who, as well as being an incredible journalist, is also a mother of a special needs child. Her son is living with autism. Bongekile, thank you so much for joining us on the COVID report tonight. Thank you, Ponso. Thank you for having me. And I just want to pick your brain in regards to your the column that you wrote in this past week's MNG, you know, mm. and you're talking speci- speci- specifically about special needs learners mm. being left mm. out by the uh, Minister of Education in the plans for shutdown. What what mm. like what prompted uh, the piece be- besides your personal kind of experience? Since the the um, COVID came to our shores. Of course, there's been panic all over and um, schools were closed earlier, you know that. And after that, then um, provincial departments um, started, you know, making announcements to say we've teamed up with so-and-so and this is what we have for e-learning. We've teamed up with community um, radio stations and this is what we have so you can continue to study while you are at home. You know, and the 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 national department also created um on their website what I call a one stop shop where like you can go and access all the 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 lessons from grade r r to grade twelve you can go and access wow. you know um access lessons and you know um that week then the minister had a, a press briefing 
uh, after the lockdown was announced where she was saying, you know, this is what we have. This is, you know, we've partnered with Sorry and so. So I was noticing that in all of this, no one is saying anything about special needs children. And I was following, you know, I was going into these um, things that the departments are talking about because before the, the minister came along, I mean, I was following what the spokespeople were, were posting on social media and I, even what um, MEC of, of Education uh, in Gauteng, Banyaza Lusufi, also had a, a media briefing before the minister and where he was outlining all these wonderful uh, plans that they have uh, for when, when learners are at home. And I asked him on Twitter to say, I see all these wonderful plans, but where are the plans for special needs children? And if you know, uh, Banyaza Lusufi is quite uh, active on Twitter and he responds. He didn't respond. I asked the, the MEC of, of KwaZulu Natal, Kwazim Shengu, to say, you are busy treating all of these things. What plans do you have for special needs children? And and they didn't have any, uh, they, they didn't respond. I asked the spokesperson uh, of the Department of Basic Education, Elijah Mslanga. I also tagged the DG, uh, Matanzi Mamweli, to ask, to say, you've created everything. It's all nice. You've catered for great RR, but what about special needs children? Then Elijah said to me, wait for the minister's um, uh, 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 briefing. That's where she will outline the plans. The minister comes and I honestly, the minister mumbled something that I, I, it, it didn't make sense. And But what I know is that in whatever she mumbled, there was nothing that said that these are the plans that we have for special needs children. So that's what prompted me to pen down this, this column to say, this is the Department of Basic Education. It means it caters for everyone in the system. It doesn't just cater for a certain group. Right. So in in your plans, you must understand that there are also children with special needs that are also sitting at home, by the way. You know, it's not only children who go to mainstream that are sitting at home. All children, all schools in the country are shut down. That includes special needs children. So if you do have all these wonderful plans, and of course, kudos to them. It's wonderful plans. If you have uh, the resources, you can access them. But what about special needs children? Are you saying that they don't need to catch up? Are you saying that um, while at home their parents can't assist them, like all the other parents are probably assisting their children? You know, what are you saying about children who use brain, who would want to catch up? What are you saying about children who have autism, who would want to catch up? What are you saying about all different kinds of children with special needs, who would also want to catch up? Are you saying that they do not deserve to catch up? Are you saying they do not matter? So that is why then I, I paint the, the column. And it's not the first time, Bongekile, you know, where we see special needs learners being kind of like a second mm. thought in, by mm. the Department of Education. Mm. I know like this, like you're saying, we understand these, this is uncharted waters. Yes. We've never been yes. here before. But, mm. you know, why do you think, you know, from your experience, you've been an uh, education reporter for 10 years now. In, 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 your, in your experience, this is not to make you sound old or anything, just to show that you are incredibly experienced. <laughs> yeah. This year, Lona, uh, this is my second column that I've penned about uh, children with special needs. And in my reporting, I've, I've, 
I've I've made a conscious decision to always report about um about the plight of children with special needs, right? And in the in the first column that I penned was was at the beginning of the year when I belong in groups of mothers with special needs, like you've already said, I have a son with special needs. And you will see every year, mothers are crying. I can't find school for my child. I've been sent from pillar to post this and that and that and that and the other, you know, and which, which then shows that our state does not plan for children with special needs. If we were to go into the data of the Department of Basic Education or any other uh, provincial education department, and you say to them, give me the number of schools that uh, you have that cater for special needs, I can promise you now, some provinces, maybe the Eastern Cape, they probably have like 10 or 4 or 5. You know, mm-hmm. there are some districts that do not have a, a, a that do not have uh, uh, schools for special needs. And you have the, gov- the the National Department has this thing that they call a city. Basically what it's, 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 it's um, a government's program of building schools, you know, uh, to get rid of mud schools. But, uh, and, you know, every year they will go and open all these multi-million rent schools in the Eastern Cape. But never will you hear them saying we have opened this multi-million rent school for special needs school which then tells us clearly you know and i'm not even making this up which then tells us clearly that we do not plan for special needs children it is as though as a country we think that there are no mothers that give birth to children with special needs right how has been uh, excellent since banyaza came in that he came in and he made sure that, you know, he opens more schools, like schools that, for example, the school that my son goes to in Orlando West. That school, by the way, do you know how big Soweto is? The the history behind Soweto. But that school in Soweto, uh, Tula Stiswa School of Autism, was the first school in the entire uh, township to be opened for an autism school. So he came in and he opened schools that were closed, he opened them. But in the entire country, you go into the budget speeches. I go through the budget speeches of each and every MEC. There will be a line or two about special needs to say, oh, we'll beat the, you know, it's, it's a, by the way, we have this, you know, the sector will build this school, by the way. So which clearly shows that we do not take the plight of special needs children Seriously, the fact that we have children, let alone that they are not catered yet, but we have children that are sitting at home, we have never seen the inside of a classroom, who have special needs, because they can't access them. And uh, I remember when I was still uh, working for the Sowetan, I, I, I did a story in Dahakran, a small uh, village in, in Pumalanga, where there were 17-year-olds, so we had never been inside a classroom because they have special needs. But in the same area, you have about four buses that take children to nearby schools. And then my question then says, why then are you not making the same arrangement for children with special needs? And I remember the spokesperson at the time told me that we can't build special needs uh, schools in every part of of the province. So what does that tell you? 
Yeah, and Bungikile, you touch on a very important point about, and, and something one of our guests last week also uh, highlighted, Goketo Moeti from Mandla Tatmobi, who was talking about how the COVID-19 outbreak in South Africa has just mm. blown the lid on the inequalities that yeah. exist for certain marginalized groups. Mm. And mm. in this case, we're speaking about uh, like children with special needs or learners with special needs, you know. Mm-hmm. Have you, in your research and looking at what is happening in other countries, have you seen some solutions, if there are any, that have that you have come across about how special needs children can be included in the curriculum for long distance or for remote learning as we go through the lockdown? Are there other plans in other countries? Is there anything I actually, I actually, when I was writing my column last week, I actually did try to do some research, um, you know, to see what other countries are doing. And to be quite honest, I didn't come across any single story. You know, I don't know whether maybe I, but I mean, I did do research. And you know, when you do research, at least you'll come across one one article that says this is what this country is doing in preparation uh, for for the lockdown and and, and for special needs, but I didn't come across any um, any any research. I mean, any story or anything that other people are doing. But what I'm saying in my column is that we have a, a department of basic education, and I know that each and every provincial department has a a unit, a special needs a, a unit that focuses on, 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 on special education, you know, that unit, when everyone else was planning, that unit was also supposed to sit down and say, this is how we can plan. Of course, I also say that special needs children are not the same, you know, and it might be complex to say this is, but you sit down as a unit and say, as everyone else is doing their plan, you also plan, you can even bonso a partner, with different organizations. For example, you can partner with Autism South Africa and say with Autism South Africa, what can we do? Uh, 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 what programs can we do for our children that can be accessible, that they are caregivers? You know, you can do all those things. There is social media. You spread the word there. It's not difficult. But to mm-hmm. completely then erase this group as if it, it, it doesn't exist. That's where the problem is because you are basically then saying, Mana, Tina, we, we cater for this. These other ones, you must see what you do. Sure. And also there seems to be a lack of political will. And speaking yeah. about that, you know, this is a topic that I know uh, is close to home as we've already said that mm. you uh, have a son who who's living with autism, you know. Yeah. And maybe there's a mother out there or a sibling, an older sibling to an autistic child listening right now. And they are struggling at home in uh, finding ways to teach and continue education because there is nothing from the Department of Basic Education. Can you uh, take us through some of the things that you and your son, you're doing uh, during this time um, to kind of like continue it? If there is anything Mm -hmm. that you can do, considering that you are a full-time journalist and at at the same time. Look, it has been difficult because also with 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 my son, with with our children, it also goes with the environment. With so when the child is at home, then they see that oh, this is where I relax. I don't have to, um, you know, I don't have to learn. But I mean, I'm sure you know 
as parents, as caregivers, we already know the, those dynamics. So what I've been trying to do with my son, which I do anyway, is that, you know, we do some reading, we do some counting, depending on his mood, obviously. <laughs> um, and also uh, he, the teacher, we have a WhatsApp group uh, with the parents and the teacher. So the teacher has also suggested um, uh, some activities that we can do with the children. So that's basically what I have been doing with Nzako. I, I, I try and at least for like 10 minutes because his attention span, he gets irritated very easily. So I try that at least I get him to sit down for at least 10 minutes and then we do whatever reading or we do counting or we just sing or we just jump or we do something that makes that makes him happy you know um so those are the things that i've been trying to do but i would be honest with you it hasn't been easy because of the environment because he knows that he's at home he's not wearing a uniform he hasn't gotten into his school transport to go to school so you know you have to try and and work around that but you know you try at least maybe like 10 minutes or 30 minutes in a day where you see that he's calm and then you try and do whatever activity you can do um, with him. So that's what I've been trying to do with my son. But it doesn't follow the curriculum, uh, what he has been doing at school, because, you know, we didn't get that. But I try and do some learning with him. Mm. And and advice for mothers with other children with special needs. I see you've been mentioning a lot that there's a support group that you lean on of mothers with uh, who have um, children living with autism. Would you advise that for other mothers as well with children who have other special needs, whether it's children who are blind or are, are visually impaired, to team mm. up in order to support each other, not just during this time, but during just... Um, the academic and probably social year as well. Yeah, it's important, Bonso. I've I've found that um, there were things that I thought I was going through on my own, right? Um, and I would be frustrated there in my corner and thinking, "Oh my God, what is this?" And only then to join these groups, and I've realized that we go through the same thing in that community. You know, my child has an obsession with spitting. So he spits on his palm and he plays with his spits and it's just a mess and it's irritating. And I write this in the group one day to say, is anyone else struggling with this? And I was surprised that so many, the other mother was saying, my child is 15 years old and he still does that. So it's important because you know that you are not going through this alone. You you know, now I look into the group and I'm like, ah, oh, Zako does this exactly. And then you just laugh because it at least gives you strength in a way to say, oh, yeah. I'm not going through this alone because you can share with your mother, but you know, your mother doesn't quite understand you know she's all of this is new to her or whatever or you can share with your friends your friends don't understand but in that group then you know you can go there and you can say whatever i can share it with you but you'll probably find like ah oh, that's that's a bit weird you won't understand it but when you go in that in that space you know that no one ever thinks that whatever you bring is ridiculous so it's important for your mental health i have found that I am more stronger and I'm more calmer and I am not as irritable as I was before um, when I see my son do things. 
because I know that I'm not the only one and I know that there's a there's an outlet where I can go and just offload and no one is going to judge me and instead people are going to say oh this has been happening but now my son is 22 he has outgrown it and whatever so it's really important mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's very informative. That was Bongeki Lemakupe. She's an education reporter at the Mail and Guardian. And she's also a mother of an autistic son who is at home right now. And as she penned in her column in the in this past week's Mail and Guardian, that there have been no measures that have been properly announced around how special needs children just like Bongekiles and many other mothers out there and many other parents out there who have special needs children who are also on lockdown on how learning and sharing of the curriculum is going to be happening until school resumes. As the Minister of Basic Education, Njima Taha, said that it is, not, it, it is not quite clear when schools are going to reopen. And so these are some of the challenges that um, mothers and parents like Bongekile find themselves facing that there is no leadership or political will to assist them with their special needs children from an education point of view. Thank you so much for your journalistic experiences with the research and tons of research that you've been doing over the years, but also your personal experience and some of the tips that you have given to other parents or other family members that may be listening and have a special needs child in their family, that hopefully that it helps them out in, uh, in how they can uh, deal with this very trying time, especially because it's, it's, we all are stressed. Yesterday we were talking to a mental health expert who was saying that this is not normal and we can't expect to behave like it's normal time. So thank you so much, Bongikile, for opening up and sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you for having me, Bonto. Captivating stuff. Thank you one more time to Bongekila Matope from the Mail and Guardian. Speaking of parents' experiences, we asked a few mothers to uh, reach out to us and share their all their own experiences as far as uh, dealing with um, having to homeschool um, their children with special needs during this very very trying time as we continue to deal uh, with the COVID nineteen outbreak while we are on lockdown. And here are a few of those voice notes. My name is Tandi Wematibela. I uh, live in Johannesburg and I'm a mother with a daughter that's got cerebral palsy. My daughter is nine years old. Cerebral palsy refers to injury to the brain, which for my daughter happened at birth. And this has rendered her with a quite a, a serious disability where she is unable to talk. She's also unable to walk and she's also still on a diaper. What it also means is that it has become very difficult for me to find a school that is able to best take care of my daughter's needs while she learns. This has led me to find to, to opting for homeschooling. What homeschooling really means for my daughter and I at the moment um, is that we've got a caregiver that has been trained um, according to her needs, a caregiver who knows how to take care of her, how to look after her, how to stimulate her, because a big part of her learning is about stimulation, whether that is using colors, toys, and whatever the case is, but also it's about stretching her because one of the predispositions of people with uh, cerebral palsy is that they tend to have a very tight muscles, and that could be very painful over time if they don't get stretched or if they don't go to physio. 
So that is what, that is part of the homeschooling, so to speak, as we talk about. Because in the context of kids with disabilities, schooling is not necessarily mainstream schooling that any other child would do. Um, but it is about creating a loving and stimulating and educational environment for the child. I know that a lot of parents in Gauteng specifically have found it very difficult to find schools that take care of their kids with special needs, regardless of what the special needs are. So the parents have then opted for starting schools for themselves. The difficulty with that is that it becomes very expensive and it's not accessible for everyone. And I think that is also the challenge that government has got in terms of running schools with, for kids with disabilities. So tips for parents in terms of homeschooling. Supplement what you do at home with uh, some specialist sessions. For instance, my daughter goes to physiotherapy once a week uh, where she gets exercises, she gets stimulated physically, she gets stretched professionally because that is important for her physical well-being because that obviously then creates an environment or it makes it easy for her to learn when she is comfortable and she is okay physically. We also go to speech therapy. So at speech therapy, she also learns how to communicate. We teach her how to say basic things that life requires her to do e.g. saying hello, even if she does not say them verbally, but making sure that she understands what is being said to her, she understands colors. And then we also teach her issues of cause and effect where if she presses something, this is what will happen because that will also help her in terms of just interacting with the environment around her. Over and above that, my daughter goes to um, an eye gym session, so which is eye therapy, where we actually train her eyes to be able to focus on a subject or an object at a time so that she can optimally communicate without having to take in too much all at once. All these are obviously supplemented by reading at home, using educational apps at home where the child can actually be stimulated and work. So for parents, all I want to say is that our children are different and our children will learn differently. It does not mean that they will not be able to learn. It just means that we need to create an environment that is optimal and that is conducive and that is sufficient for them. So we need to find a loving environment and also it can be very expensive so we need to also use other tools that are available to us via technology which are apps and there are very many educational apps out there and also tip number three is to accept that your child will not learn at the same pace as probably any other child but that your child will learn and that your child is a person that is able to flourish in their own right my name is Wingile from Delarayville I have a nine-year-old son doing grade four and homeschooling has been hard because considering that I'm introducing all the new stuff to him now, which the teacher hasn't touched. So I'm not sure if I'm doing it the correct way or a much more advanced way for him. We're struggling to cope, but we're getting there. I guess it's one of those things, but it's so difficult doing it with the two-year-old in the house. Because now I have to manage everybody and still get the homework done so that by the time school opens, he is not left behind. But I guess we're on the right track because we are moving step by step. And there you have it. Mothers all across the country also doing their very best, doing everything that they can under the circumstances we are all collectively facing. We commend them and we salute their efforts as they continue to deal with 
the circumstances that are presented to us courtesy of the COVID-19 outbreak. We also spoke to basic education spokesperson Elijah Mshanga on uh, the measures that the government has put in place to assist parents with homeschooling during the duration of the lockdown and as we continue to deal with the outbreak. And this is what he had to say. The Department of Basic Education has put together a whole range of resources that are available for learners to use while they are home. And we have advised parents and guardians to make sure that they access these resources and use them to teach their children. And a large majority of these resources are in are available on our website, education.gov.za. But over and above what on the website, we've partnered with different companies and organizations who have also offered their resources to assist and make sure that learners are able to do some learning at home during the lockdown. We have resources such as the Vodacom Virtual Classroom, which is available on their website as well. But we also have the teen geek, teen, Africa Teen Geeks who have also launched the Lockdown Digital Classroom, which is basically a, a, some teachers who are available to teach, answer questions, and interact with the learners. And in the first week of doing this last week, they interacted with some 16,000 learners, and uh, that's based on the views and the the, the figures, the data that they've been able to capture online in terms of the reach of that particular initiative. But at the end of the day, it is the parent in their home, it is the guardians, the relatives, those that have some experience in education to be able to come through to help. So we are appealing and we continue to do so to those people who have a responsibility to look after children who are of school going age to make sure that they support them every day, create a routine and make sure that the material that has been made available is indeed in use. When it comes to learners with special education needs, we have also prepared something. Uh, we have uh, recorded lessons that are on television. Um, we have also, before the lockdown, asked schools to give learners material to take home which would be used in their home to accommodate those learners that uh, would need uh, assistance and the minister did indicate that for those home homes where the people where the households where uh, the family would require a teacher to come and teach the child in their home a special permit would be given to such an individual or individuals so that they're able to move around particularly to families where they are learners with special education needs. So it's not just television that we are talking about, and it's not just radio that we are talking about. There's a whole range of measures that we have, been, that we have put in place, and it must be noted that whatever that we are doing now, we have never had to do it before. So it is highly likely that there will be omissions, there will be errors, because this whole issue is basically experimental right now. We have never had to do this on a large scale. It's the first time. So it is impossible 
for this um, intervention to be perfect. It cannot be perfect because our situations are not the same and people are located in different places. So having to cater for 13 million learners outside school premises is a large ask, something that we would have to work extremely hard with all our partners to be able to achieve. But even after that, it's difficult to monitor. So the implementation of something like this is, is complex and uh, it's difficult to assess whether it's effective or not. But we've done our best under the current circumstances. Nobody planned for this. We did not expect it. We found ourselves here. But we are learning some lessons and we believe that uh, we will be wiser after this situation in terms of preparing for disasters such as the one that we are in right now. The COVID Report Show, Monday to Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Exclusive to Power FM 88.1. Share it.